Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello! Welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist, and on today's show, we are exploring the difference between running away and choosing to leave. To understand the dynamics around running away and choosing to leave, I encourage you for so many reasons, I will keep mentioning this book, but I encourage you to get the book Emotional Blackmail, When the People in Your Life Use Fear, Obligation, and Guilt to Manipulate You. Susan Forward, F-O-R-W-A-R-D, is the author. She is also the author of one of my other favorite books called Toxic Parents. Susan Forward in her work doesn't mention high sensitivity, and yet I find that everything that she has produced speaks right to us. My guess is that Miss Susan Forward is a highly sensitive person herself. And if we hit that second goal on our Patreon, I am hopeful we will be able to track down Miss Susan Forward and hopefully have her on the show. There are so many shame dynamics about fear, obligation, and guilt that make it very difficult to process, when is it time for me to go away? And is that running away from my problems or is that choosing to leave? So I've put together 10 questions. These are in no particular order. 10 questions, 10 things to really think about to check in with yourself. Every single situation, every single circumstance, every single time in our lives is full of difference. So we have to take each moment where we are considering, should I stay? Should I go? Is it smarter for me to run away or to choose to leave? And what is the difference? When am I hiding? And when am I doing something really wise? So in figuring out, am I running away or choosing to leave? In no particular order, number one, come from a place of understanding your personality. And what your own personal growth edge is right now. Basically, if it's easy to run, if you're a runner, if you know that just in the face of stress and chaos, you throw your stuff down and haul ass out of the door, then consider, just consider, 
if staying another day, another week, another month, another year is part of your growth edge. And in the same sense, if you suffer from a case of overloyalty, if your personality, if you're feeling parts, if you're empathy, because you're an empath like I am, if these traits come together to create some overloyalty where you can recognize, wow, I don't run away quickly. In fact, I stay overly loyal way too long. If that's what comes up for you when I ask this question, consider that your growth edge may be cutting and running. And that may be the place where you can do the most growth and exploration for yourself. So consider your personality and what your own growth edge is. Number two, ask a miracle question. What do I want? Don't limit yourself by what do you think is possible for you to get out of a person, out of a scenario, even out of yourself. Just what do I want? The times that I have chosen to leave very mindfully, I was choosing to go towards healthiness and away from dysfunction. There are times when dysfunction is worthwhile to work through with yourself and another person. There are times when it is worthwhile to see the dysfunction for what it is and to move on for your sanity and for your soul care. So if we just ask, what do I want? If I think about the times when I've left very mindfully, what I wanted most was to stay. I desperately wanted to stay and wanted to have some growth with the people that I left, with the scenarios that I left. Even jobs. There were times when I, I really, really, really wanted to stay at a job. I really liked the work, but that there were elements of it that were inauthentic or dark or taxing or dysfunctional in ways that I didn't feel right continuing to support. So when I asked myself the miracle question, what do I want when I'm facing leaving? Often for me, and that coming from that overly loyal place that I can slip into, I very much want to stay. I think when we look at that, it helps us understand that what I want is to stay. And if I'm choosing to leave, that's actually the harder choice. Sometimes what we want more than anything is just to feel connected. We must check in with ourselves and ask, is it possible for me to connect within the circumstances and with the people that I'm trying to connect to? Do they have connecty parts? I cannot take my boyfriend's Android phone and shove my iPhone charger into it, can I? And expect it to work. Number three, ask yourself, how am I the problem? Is there growth that I'm avoiding? That's really, really easy to sit in discomfort and to see from our eyeballs looking outward the other problems that we feel powerless about. But before we choose to leave versus run away or avoid, We want to consider how have I contributed to the problems? At times in my life, I have over-explained trying to get my needs met. I have begged. I have cried. I have screamed. There's a book I haven't read yet that's on my shelf, but it's called Taming Your Outer Child. If your inner child gets triggered because of the circumstances, it may be in taking a break to let your nervous system come down so that you can make some more grounded decisions. So how am I the problem? Some of those answers might be, my nervous system just can't handle what's going on right now. 
I would like it to, but it's just not. How am I the problem? Maybe I go passive when I need to go assertive. Maybe I don't know how to assert myself. Maybe I go passive because when I do assert myself, I get slammed with pressure, just like in the emotional blackmail book that I suggested. If I'm very sensitive to the use of fear and obligation and guilt to manipulate me, then how I'm part of the problem is I don't have boundaries that keep fear, obligation, and guilt from controlling me. So I think that's a real question that helps us sit in our personal responsibility when we're looking to stay in or leave a situation. Number four, consider the rigidity of the situation or the players in your situation. How much negotiation is allowed? Are you able to negotiate? If you learn how and step up into the negotiation, is there room for you to be heard, seen, considered, and for the system to make some adjustments so that you can fit with more comfort? If that system is rigid or fixed or unwilling or unable or unresponsive, there may not be space within that rigidity for you to negotiate for yourself. Number five, get opinions, but not any opinions. And this is tricky for sensitive people who can lean very people-pleasing and very codependent. What I see this population do is they will ask the very worst people to ask in their worlds. This is one of those things that when I, I call a client out on, they, we often laugh about. They're like, yeah, why am I asking the person who always gives me the negative response, the person who doesn't understand me? So get opinions, but not just any opinions. Seek out opinions from people who live in a way that you admire and aspire to be more like. Seek opinions from people who have self-love and self-respect while loving others as a strong practice, as part of the fiber of their being. Who's doing that that you know in your world? Ask them. Stop asking the wrong people. And by the wrong people, I know I'm talking in very black and white terms, but I think it fits what I'm talking about and how. Don't ask a religious leader if you believe that religious leader is more connected with the rules of the religion than your well-being. Consider the agenda of who you're seeking advice from. Seek out people who seem to have an understanding that you count and you matter and are able to separate their own wants. That's part of something that good healers are able to do for people. We don't grip you. I don't grip my clients. I want to encourage my clients to go seek out other opinions, to seek out all the healing that they feel called to. You can't ask people who grip you if it's okay to leave. That's a prescription for failure. And sometimes when we're scared, we will ask someone who will tell us no just so that we don't have to face our work. Ask people who really understand personal well-being. Ask someone who has experienced leaving and ask someone who has experienced not leaving and staying. Feel their answers from your heart and from your gut to help you decide what direction you would like to go in. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. 
It's a time machine of tranquility, filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen if I stay? And what's the worst thing that can happen if I go? Consider looking forward and using as a tool this idea of your future self. If I model that for you right now, there is a future self for me, little bitty old, old lady. And she can look back on my life. And if I tap into the wisdom of what would my old lady self want for me, often I can tap into a really strong answer. I want that old lady version of me to be able to look back on life and go, yep, Nikki took the risks that she needed to take to grow. Now, notice I'm not saying I want my future self to look back and go, ooh, Nikki made all the right decisions. I am aware that I will not make all the right decisions, but I will continue to make decisions and choices for myself and move through as I learn and as I grow and as I figure out what will work for me and what doesn't work for me and I move through so that I get to be that happy old lady and honor that vision. If I flip-flop that, those of you that are parents or imagine being a parent. And as I ask this question, I imagine for a lot of you, a lot will come into focus. All things being equal, if your imaginary or real child were in your circumstance, would you advise that child to stay or go? Often I see parents who are seekers, who are struggling with their depression and anxiety. In some kind of weird, twisted, kind of magical sense, they can give their children clear and healthy advice. That is also part of why generations of dysfunction continue. Because in that moment, what we're accidentally modeling for the next generation is, do as I say, not as I do. And those of you who grew up with that very dysfunctional phrase probably just cringed. That's not the way that we learn as people. So if you feel that in your heart, that you want your children to do what you're unable to do, understand that they will respect more, even if it's hard for them to feel and walk through in real time. Feeling and seeing and having you model the courage that it takes to live with self-respect, to make the self-respecting choices. And those self-respecting choices sometimes are to stay and work through and sometimes are to choose to leave, to move towards healthiness. Number seven, consider what rules have I been taught that I'm breaking? Either way, if I stay or go, what messages am I pushing against within my own psychology? For me, I was told a lot of things that I would call almost like a, like a mob family rules. That you never turn your back on family. You're always there for family. And in a family with room to be an individual, those are not necessarily dysfunctional messages. In a family with rigidity where I feel like I'm drowning because I can't breathe, 
I can't be me, those messages are going to thwart my growth. So ask yourself, what rules am I breaking if I consider going? What rules am I breaking within myself if I consider staying? What rules am I breaking within myself to be able to take care of myself moving forward? Number eight, make some lists. A good old-fashioned priorities list. What's important to you? Lots of people will tell you sort of throw away things like blood is thicker than water. What does that mean? Is that what you value? Make a priorities list. What are your priorities? And see what fits your priorities for this situation. Is it staying or is it going? And honor your priorities. You've worked very hard to figure out what those priorities are, what they've needed to be, and to reorder those priorities. So if you've done that work and you don't honor them, what are we doing? Number nine, ask yourself, is anyone around me a sociopath? There's an awesome book by Martha Stout. She's got a PhD. It's called The Sociopath Next Door. And I'm going to say something that might bother a lot of clinical therapists. But I think this is the truth of things that are unsaid. When I consult with other therapists, when I get them to tell me the things that they don't feel comfortable saying out loud, often what I hear is they often want to tell people just leave. But we have such a worshiping of family, such a worshiping of staying and less respect for going and honoring the family unit often over the individual sanity of the players. So our societal priorities may not be very healthy. And what I want to say is that if you are an HSP and you're in a relationship with a sociopath, I would stamp that with the approval to leave. The difference between sociopaths and narcissism is big. Sociopaths play the long game. They gaslight us. They create chaos and internal craziness in HSPs. Our nervous systems, in my opinion, cannot relax around sociopathy. Just like I can't take my dog around a snake and expect my dog to just relax, that dog's going to be super upset, anxious, barking, nervous, alerting me, alerting me, alerting me. Why? Snake in the grass. Pretty crazy for me to try to train my dog to accept a dangerous snake in the yard. That's why it doesn't work for sensitive people to try to calm themselves down and feel sane around sociopathy. We're not supposed to feel calm around that energy. Narcissists are all about them. Every sociopath is a narcissist. Not every narcissist is a sociopath. If you're wondering, read The Sociopath Next Door. It will give you the clarity that you need to understand what situation you're in and gauge the healthiness level of it and help yourself decide whether it's time for you to stay or time for you to go. If you don't know, get some help. Reach out to a professional. There's a lot of shaming in our society about running away. I would argue that running away and staying are both neutral. Don't allow shame dynamics to make these decisions for you. It is equally important that we have muscles of staying and equally important that we have muscles of leaving. And if someone says to you, you just run away, take a deep breath and understand that for the shame, the guilt, and the manipulative force that that is. And take a deep breath with a hand over your heart and a hand on your belly and support yourself. I do what works for me. My soul care is my job. I don't need others to understand it. 
That's deep soul care. So cheers to those of you who are leaving and cheers to those of you who are staying and figuring out what's best for you. If you would like to get some exclusive content, please come find us at Patreon and be one of our show producers. When you come support the show, you are keeping the show commercial free. I do not want annoying commercials on this show. So I appreciate it for me and I appreciate it for everyone listening that when you come support the show, that's part of what you're doing. You're keeping us commercial free. Come find us at patreon.com backslash emotional badass. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for being our marketing team and sharing the show. The five-star reviews on iTunes are very important in podcasting. If you haven't given us a five-star review and you're benefiting from the show, if you're enjoying it, if you like what we're doing, that's a great way to come support the show. It works that funky iTunes algorithm and helps, helps us on the business end of the podcast. So thank you for helping me help you helping me. It's a big old help fest. Thank you for believing in me and my work. I believe in the power of your healing and your work. I can feel it. And I hope you can too. Keep taking care of yourself until next time. I'm Nikki Eisenhower and we are Emotional Badass where Moxie meets Mindful. Bye-bye. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to Calm History dot com.